Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So I am actually sitting in my car for this podcast to make this point. I was given car keys far too early. So I learned how to drive, quote unquote, when I was probably 13 years old, I would drive uh, my my daddy's old uh, pickup truck in a cow pasture. Uh, There are friends of mine by the time I was 14, 15, who were a little older and they gave me a car or let me borrow an older car on the farm or in a pasture, once again, in a cow pasture. And I would drive around. And so I knew the mechanics of driving. I knew how to start a car. I knew how to drive and steer a car. But did I know anything about the rules of the road? <laughs> Let's just say this. True story. In my first year of having a driver's license in the state of Kentucky and a set of car keys and my own vehicle. I got four speeding tickets. I had two accidents. And eventually at one point, not too long past that year, I was stopped for a suspected DUI. I was not, it was not a DUI. Well, if we have time, we'll jump into that story. But I was not ready for a set of car keys. So I remember the very first speeding ticket I got, again, not very long after I got my driver's license, had a lot of freedom, right? And so I'm booking down the road and and I got stopped. I believe this was a city police or a county sheriff, but got a speeding ticket, all right? And then uh, a few months later, sure enough, I think running down the highway, got, got caught again. Actually, four speeding tickets I actually received. The fifth one, let me tell you about the fifth one. The fifth one I did not receive. By this time, I've already received four within a year, within a full year, within 365 days, I had received four speeding tickets. And this state trooper stops me. Now, I was speeding, but what happened is he came up along the door and you could tell instantly, you could tell I'm 16 going on 17, he is a brand new, he, you could tell he's a, he's a rookie. This may have been his very first traffic stop. He was scared. You could tell he was nervous. And I, as he was talking, he said, I've got you clocked for going 72. I still remember this so vividly, 72 and a 55. And I was so furious because I remember passing him. I looked at my speedometer and uh, I realized I was going, I was going at uh, about 65. So I was still speeding, but not 72. Having received some tickets, I knew now <laughs> there's a, an additional expense to a little bit more speed. And so I said, okay, sir, I know I was speeding, but I was not going 72. He said, well, I've got you clocked. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I started arguing. <laughs> I started arguing with a state trooper about how fast I was speeding because I was speeding, but I was arguing with him that I wasn't speeding as much as he had me speeding. <laughs> so It was a long ordeal. He went back in the back and I was getting very frustrated. You could tell he was getting very flustered, very nervous. 
He goes back and sits behind me. His lights are still flashing. I'm sitting there thinking, he's been, he's back there for, for a long period of time. I'm actually thinking to myself, he's calling in the SWAT team. He's calling in the SWAT team. So he finally comes back. He gives me a warning. So whew, I escape a fifth ticket in a year's time. So yeah, and, and that, of course, involved traffic school. So I had to go to traffic school and relearn how to drive after just a year. Let me tell you about the DUI, and then I'll tell you about the two accidents, and then we'll make the point. But again, here's really the point. I was given car keys far, far too early, way too early. We'll make that point here in just a moment, and we'll uh, we'll come around to that. So the DUI, I'm on uh, this is about a year later. So this is not within the th- same 365 days. This is a little bit past that. But I'm driving down uh, Bluegrass Parkway in Kentucky. Some of you may know exactly where that's at. Um, and as, as I'm driving down, it's actually one of those uh, cool, um, about 40 degrees, foggy, damp, dewy kind of night. And my the car I was driving at the time had very little defrost and did not work well. The vents were not blowing well. So I take some napkins. I had a gone, had gone through McDonald's drive-thru. I had a Coca-Cola or whatever it was. And so I'm drinking that Coca-Cola or maybe could have been sweet tea. I think it was before my sweet tea became a sweet tea fan, but I'm driving on this bluegrass parkway Wednesday evening. I think it was later into the evening. There were no cars there. Pretty, pretty much two lanes were mine. So, and that was the problem of learning how to drive in a cow pasture, there were no lanes, there were no rules, and there were no other people. I just had to not hit a cow or go into the barbed wire fence or run into the, the pond for the cows. That's the only, that's the three rules I had when I, quote, learned how to drive uh, early on. So I'm driving uh, Bluegrass Parkway, and the inside of the windshield is getting all fogged up. Again, late, it had been raining, cool. Is it like 40 degree, that type of temperature where it just, it was really hard to keep everything inside, outside the right uh, temperature so that you didn't fog up. And with no defrost working, I all I had, the only thing I had at my, <laughs> at my disposal was the clean, uh, the, uh, uh, the napkins from McDonald's, the napkins I had in my side panel of the, of the, of the door. I grabbed those. Now, I think I'm a fairly coordinated person. I think, I think I am for the most part. The problem with that is if my right, if you can visualize this, if my right hand is going left to right, wiping the inside of my windshield, my left hand is on the steering wheel of the car. And if my right hand is going left to right in a sweeping motion, and I've somewhat coordinated in that my right, my left kind of do the same thing sometimes, then my left hand was going back and forth, left to right in a sweeping motion. <laughs> I was all over the road, guys. I was all over that road. And yes, I get stopped by a state trooper for DUI. I get the whole test, walk, you know, recite uh, alphabet backwards, whatever, walk in the fine line. Did not get a DUI, but I was stopped for a DUI. <laughs> so, all right. So, the four tickets, the fifth one I argued my way out of, the, the suspected DUI that was not DUI, that was a little bit later, uh, it was not in the same year period of time. But what was in the same year period of time were the two accidents. So I uh, lived in E-Town, uh, Kentucky, and at the time uh, I had a F-150 uh, pickup truck. And so as I was 
um, uh, it was a white pickup truck with a white topper and a really poor transmission. <laughs> it was not the best vehicle in the world, but I was parked in the, uh, the yard, the, my front, our front yard. My older brother, Michael had a black Impala Impala that sat on the road. So I pulled up into the driveway and then into the yard. So my, the front is facing the house. The back is facing the road. The back is facing, uh oh, <laughs> his Impala. So I was in a hurry, forgot one day, and I backed up right into his Impala. Three years older than me, you can imagine how he reacted. So, but my most famous accident in that year period of time. So I have a twin sister, many of you know, twin sister Pam, and 16 years old. I'm, we have freedom to drive now. And I was driving my F-150 pickup truck and we were, uh, I picked her up from the, from either school or from the library there in E-Town. And as I was picking her up, she had to be dropped off at the corner. I think she was going to a friend's house to study. So I dropped her off at the corner of Miles and Helm Street. All you need to know is we lived on Helm Street. And so I had to go straight down into to the house and there's the corner there. So as I started pulling away, she started hollering. She had left a book or something in the front seat. And I looked at that and said, oh yeah. So I've gone a little ways, all right? So I put that sucker in reverse. Now today, I will say, I will preface this by saying today, I think I'm a really good back driver. I think I can reverse pretty well. I think I, I back into all parking spots if I can. I'm a pretty good backer upper. Well, the very first time wasn't so successful. Do you remember these big blue mail collection boxes? Do you remember those? Uh, some of you may, if you, not, if, if you don't, if you're listening, you don't remember those, Google. You'll have to really get a visual on this one. Google blue mail um, uh, collection boxes. That's where people would actually, they didn't have to even go to the post office. They would actually put their letters, their postcards, their packets that they were mailing in these collection boxes. And once a day, sometimes two or three times a day, um, they the male folk would come and pick those up and, and empty those out. I am backing up. There is no point for me to accelerate. <laughs> there was no point for me to accelerate is what I learned as I was backing up to deliver that book to my sister who was standing on the corner. There was no point in me having to accelerate. <laughs> But as I did, and I'm looking behind my shoulder, looking in the mirror, and again, as I'm turning, I'm turning the wheel. So I turn to look behind me, and then as I do, my right hand, my right arm moves with my neck and my head and my body, and I slam into this big blue male collection box. I mean, destroy it. <laughs> Pam's, the only thing I remember, besides these letters and packets flying out of this now busted mail collection box. I looked and I saw Pam's eyes, the biggest eyes I've ever seen, her mouth wide open like, you are going to die. <laughs> My twin brother is going to die. Long story short, 
Uh, I did have to, this is actually, actually, uh, I did not get, uh, my father passed away when I was 15 years old. So I did not get a license, um, until of course I was 16. So my mom was the one who had to discipline me. And she basically said, I guess you're going to the mail. You're going to the post office, talk to the uh, postmaster general, and you're going to confess. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually thought I needed to put that thing. I put that thing in the back after two or three days of, oh, anguish of thinking what kind of punishment was going to happen. I put that thing in the back of my pickup truck and delivered it to the postmaster general. I Now looking back, I was scared, absolutely scared out of my wits. But looking back, I have to believe, I kind of remember maybe a hint of a smirk, kind of him hiding his, his, his laugh, just a little bit of a laugh thinking, how in the world did this teenage kid tear up this box. So anyway, that was my first year of driving. Folks, that was my first year of having car keys. I was given car keys way too early. This podcast title is The Person and the Power. And what we want to do is have some conversation around both the person, the intimacy, and the power, the activity of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity of God, the third person, person being a key phrase there, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And, and as we become, as we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are made believers. We are saved. We're, uh, we go from sinner to saint and we receive the Holy spirit. His personhood comes inside and to live inside of us. And now his power is available to us. But one of the things that as I'm trying to write a book by the same title of this podcast, The Person and the Power. Pray for me. I'm hoping to plow through that here even later this year. But as this book is going to illustrate, both are essentially critically important for our relationship with God and our maturity as believers. We must cultivate intimacy with the person. And I think that comes first. Then we must appropriately Use and activate the power or the activity of the Holy Spirit, the gifts and and and, and even. Uh, but the fruit must come. I believe the fruit must come first. That's a podcast for another time. But for me, in this example, this true life example I've shared with you, I was given power long before I knew how to use it. Praise God, I didn't hurt somebody by my speeding, my reckless driving on Bluegrass Parkway, or my horrible attempt at backing up. Uh, but I, praise God, I didn't hurt somebody. I did some damage. I, 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 I did. Uh, I injured myself with uh, the speeding tickets and the traffic school that I had to attend. But I was not ready for such power. Is that making sense? And and so as I was praying into this podcast. I felt like the Lord led me to a a passage in the Old Testament where someone was given the power, but they were not ready to use the power. And in fact, the power had to be taken away from them. Wow. So we we find this in 1 Samuel 9. His name is Saul. To set this up, Israel is asking for a king. Israel should never have asked for a king. They had a king, capital K, but they didn't want that capital K king. They wanted a lowercase king so they could be like other nations. That's what it says in 1 Samuel 8. And so Samuel, the prophet at the time, goes to God, says, your people want a king. What should I do? And God says, free will is still free will. Give them a king. 
And so raised up was Saul. And we see the first mention of Saul in 1 Samuel 9, 1 and 2. It says this, there is a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. It goes on in verse 2, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So he's a fine specimen of, of, a, of a man. And, and so here he is, uh, uh, again, uh, 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 head and shoulders, right, above the rest of them. And so with that understanding, uh, we think, you know, okay, well, maybe he could serve as the king. Maybe he, should, he could serve as the one who um, God has anointed, right? And so here we find verse, uh, chapter 10, verse Samuel 10. Go to verse 17 and hear this. Later, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. So the the context is set. This is a joyous occasion, (laughs) maybe, but it's not. It's, a, it's an occasion actually because the people have wanted the king. They've rejected God. So now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. Verse 20. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the, of the Metrites were chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. Listen to this. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood there head and shoulders. There's that phrase again, above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So there you go. That's the first mention of uh, of Saul being the king. He's hiding behind baggage. He's hiding because we see in some sense fear, maybe good fear. We see maybe this understanding he's not ready for the power. We see him, maybe maybe even there's a sense of humility. Now, if you know the story of Saul, you know that humility was very short-lived, right? But what we do know at this moment is as he's presented to be the king before the people, he's hiding again. Fear, humility, and maybe just maybe an understanding he's not ready for the power, right? All right, so now we have to go to, unfortunately, the the hard bad news. Go to chapter 13 with me, 1 Samuel 13, starting at the first part, so starting at verse 7, and we'll read through. Um, we'll read through verse 14. So seven, uh, the last part of verse seven. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Now, there, so again, the context is Saul is now leading his people, his, his battalion, his men in battle. They're fighting uh, the Philistines, of course. That's kind of the, the common enemy of the, of the Israelites at the time. And so Saul waited there seven days for Samuel because Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized, listen to this, that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. We'll read on here in just a second, but that is not what what Saul was asked to do. That was Samuel's job, not Saul's. And yes, Saul went out of bounds here. 
Just as Saul was finishing, listen to this, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive. Notice the blame game. And when you said you would, and the Philistines are at Michmash ready for the battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Pay attention to verses 13 and 14. Wow. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the Lord's command. You have not kept it, and the Lord would, but the Lord, had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man already after his own heart. He says again, the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Wow. A couple more verses and we'll, we'll wrap up here. But did you hear that? Here's Saul at one point hiding behind baggage, at one point maybe humble, at one point fearful in a good way maybe, even understanding he wasn't ready for the power. And yet here he is abusing the power now. He's abusing the power that, that, he, that was given to him. And now, unfortunately, because of that moment and, and a few others now, uh, jump to about uh, a couple more verses in verse 16, or chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16. This is, this is, the, this is the, the hard part of, of Saul's life. Listen to this. Verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Wow. We'll finish with one passage in Psalms, but uh, let me just clarify a couple things. In New Testament uh, understanding and New Testament believers, we, we don't have to be concerned necessarily of God taking away his spirit when we abuse the spirit or taking away the spirit when we sin. Uh, the, the spirit of God uh, in the Old Testament was given differently than the New Testament believers because of Pentecost. Pentecost is a deal changer, uh, a deal break, a deal maker, a deal maker and a deal changer. Uh, it's a life transforming uh, moment. And so when we as believers accept the Holy, accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of the living God comes to live within us. Now God is within us. The, 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 the Spirit of God isn't just hovering over us or, or upon us. It's, it's now the Holy Spirit. He is now in us. All right. And so just make sure we're clear. The Holy Spirit isn't taken away from us just because we sin every now and then, or because even because if we abuse the power, the point here is, are we ready for the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we mature? Are we acting? Are we ready for the set of car keys? Are we ready for the set of car keys? Um, you know, David's story uh, all too well. David, uh, with his uh, relationship with uh, Bathsheba, uh, David is a man after God's own heart, even with sin. But we hear now after Nathan, after Nathan, the prophet, confronts King, right? King David, he writes this incredibly heart-wrenching psalm from Psalm 51. And from Psalm 51, we find verse 11. Listen to this. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Again, I want to make sure we're clear. I'm, I'm not suggesting as New Testament believers filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, that, that just because we sin, he takes his spirit away from us and then we get it back and then he takes it away. No, no, no. Don't hear me say that. 
What I am saying, though, is we see early in the Old Testament, Saul was not ready for the spirit and the power that the spirit wanted to give him. And David, when he sinned, was concerned that he, too, had wasted this moment and had been immature and had not been ready for the power of the Holy Spirit. In this Person and Power podcast over the next several weeks, we're going to talk specifically about person of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. Just make sure that you're ready for the car keys. Make sure that you are doing everything you can, amen, to be mature, to be uh, biblically sound in fellowship so that when you have access to this incredible power of the Holy Spirit, you are mature and you know how to handle that power because you have you've been diligent and you have been mature and you are maturing in that. Do not be like a young 16-year-old who was not ready for the set of car keys. Amen. Be blessed, be mature, and be ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There you go. We'll talk to you next week. Be blessed. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.